Hi, and welcome to today's podcast. In all the times that I open up the podcast and say, we're going to keep it quick today, I still wind up going longer than I expect. Today, I was going to say, I'm going to try to keep it under 10 minutes, maybe 15. Uh, so let's get started. When I spoke to Alex this morning, I was very, uh, I was reticent. I was a little hesitant to go, uh, do you want a podcast today and do uh, a wedding recap, a wedding exit survey? And she was, she was all about coming by, but she has something else to do as her, uh, she's not on a honeymoon. It's a weddingcation right now. So I'm not going to give you any Alex stuff, any wedding stuff here. I'm going to save it all for when Alex is available, whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday to do a complete and comprehensive wedding recap. Gonna leave that alone right there. Um, the Italian Bowl is coming to Toledo. The hell is that? It is the championship of Italian American football. What the hell is that, Eric? Do you mean they're coming to play soccer? There's soccer here? No. In Italy, they play American football, and they very likely call it American football. And they're gonna have the that that Italian Bowl, the American football championship, here at the Glass Bowl. Ironically. Uh, a couple of days before July 4th next year. Is this, is this, like, did you, you didn't even know there was an Italian-American football league. Look, neither did I when I first heard about these discussions sometime in the last handful of months. But you know what? It might be kind of corny. It might be a little cheesy. It's not going to be very high quality. I can only imagine what the caliber of play is. If I had to guess, like, could UT win this league? Maybe. I don't know. It is, it is, they could probably, the worst team in the NFL would probably annihilate the best Italian American football team. I don't know. I'll do some homework, but you know what? It's going to be something nice to celebrate. Um, we have a lot to do in the summertime. Spotlight will be on us from at least Italy, maybe other parts of the world. It's something unique. Let's enjoy it. Uh, and let's definitely enjoy for the longest time, not for the longest time, but sometime before the pandemic, I was like, you know, we have some great restaurants here. We are really getting into some fine cuisine, the the chop house type places. Like we had more than just Mancy's and then Final Cut. The chop house opened up. We, we had some really fine restaurants and we certainly did the fast casual thing. Okay. But the one thing we didn't have was a ramen place. Like, I mean straight ramen. I think some of our Asian places Asian places had ramen dishes. But if you had been to other cities, Detroit, Chicago, uh, where the, there is more diverse cuisine and where we get a lot of our food ideas and more from, they had ramen places, like all ramen. That was, that was the thing. We finally have one now. Uh, and it should be no surprise that Kengo is the one that provided us with that. It is called it is called Kato Ramen. Uh, it opens tomorrow to the public, 11.30 to 2.30, so lunchtime, Tuesday through Saturday. How about that? Uh, what else? Another very surprising thing. I am, I am stunned. I thought all of these closed. Uh, FYE, for your entertainment, did you, and I mean you, uh, Toledo and for your entire life, did you have one of those here? There had to have been an FYE here because they were all over Detroit. 
And if it's in Detroit, it's very likely here. I'm talking about chains. Um, one has opened up. One has risen from the dead to open in Franklin Park Mall. And I skim through the article pretty quickly. But I'm fairly certain uh, their business model is not centered around music, which is mostly why we went to FYE when they were at their peak of powers in what the early in the early aughts. I know I went to that place a lot when I was living in Detroit to buy music, to buy CDs. Um, but then the landscape changed. We we began. To, I I stopped buying music because working at radio stations, it was very easy um, to get all kinds of CDs, singles, full length, and usually whenever I moved uh, in the aughts. First thing to go was CDs because they were heavy. Like I had several. Have you ever seen like hockey, um, hockey equipment bags? Well, I had several of those filled with CDs. Now with those, I threw away a lot of my early radio stuff, like of me on the radio, which I'd love to have back. But yeah, when I moved, I got rid of CDs. So where did you buy CDs here? What was your very first? CD purchase. What was your first, because you're of age, your first cassette purchase? I remember when I was buying cassettes, I would often buy singles, which were one of the greatest inventions in human history because we all knew that, you know, we couldn't afford afford $13, $14.20 for a full-length album, double-sided cassette. And we also knew that we only really liked Maybe the two songs that we heard on the radio that were big hits. And maybe we found one more. That's one of the reasons why the music industry, which has undergone numerous transformations, uh, that's one reason the music industry wound up where it was in in LimeWire and Napster. Why should I buy a whole whole CD when I only want a couple of songs and you're going to charge me the the full length? So uh, if you were ever interested in, in history of the music industry, you will likely uh, get some very enjoyable reads or wormhole deep dives on Wikipedia on all the adjustments and transformations and shifting that the music business had to do from artists to labels to us as consumers. Uh, when I was a kid, I shopped at, let's see, there was Sam Goody. I think there was a place called The Wall. Uh, department stores, obviously, but also... Tower Records, which I don't think you had here, but Tower Records was, what was that 90s movie? Uh, Was Judd Nelson in it? It was kind of like that. Tower Records had had two floors. There was one near me in Northeast Philly. There was one down on, on South Street in Philadelphia, which was bars and small, uh, small music places. Um, just niche shops, just a, a cool vibey place. And it was a social experience in itself to go to Tower Records. Um, just thousands and thousands and thousands of songs available. They also had some instruments, um, tons of pop culture stuff uh, to grab your eye, like music posters. And it was just, it was just a vibe to be in there. Like you, you felt... You were okay buying music there if it was a little bit more than some of the other local places because it was it was an experience, mostly because it had an elevator. No, it probably had an elevator, but an escalator in it. Did you have stuff like that here uh, in Detroit when I was buying records for DJing? I think I remember 
on the east side, Roseville, uh, Melodies and Memories, and Record Time. And there was another chain in Detroit that I can't remember. And I think there was a store or two of those here. Uh, last thing, I want to thank everybody uh, for, if you cared or even made it out to the Out of the Darkness Walk, the eighth year I've hosted, the ninth year I've been a part of it. Uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. We's, 20 was virtual. 21, 22. So nine years, eight hosting. Um, it was somewhat what I wasn't expecting. Oftentimes, you can feel um, the, morbi- the morbidity, the, the macabre cloud lingering over things. Many people who are there maybe especially when I first started hosting this nine years ago, people were there because they lost a loved one to suicide. Um, They left these people and their sadness behind. As As I like to say, one of the ways I have prevented myself from taking my own life is I know the emotional collateral shrapnel that would be devastating to others if I was no longer here. The Out of the Darkness walk, many of those people inflicted with that pain attend this walk. Now, over the years, I can only guess that more people have come because they have they've lost others like that. They have almost lost themselves or they're like me and they're always looking over their shoulder for what could one day get them. That's why they, we, I have to keep our coping skills sharpened. But you know what? Saturday... It was not as macabre and somber as I expected. I even said when I was uh, when I when I went to give my little preamble, my intro for the day, and, and welcoming everybody there and getting into the opening ceremony, um, I said, "You guys have kind of thrown me off. This event is not as somber as years I remember in the past." I walk around during these things. I say hi to, to friends. I meet new friends. Um, and there are people that are that are that are weeping and sad, and this is usually as we get closer to the opening ceremonies. And I didn't see that this year. During the opening ceremonies, I only visibly saw one girl who had really broken down. If there were others, I missed them. But generally speaking, there was a much more positive vibe. Not that there needs to be for this, because some people come for closure and other things. With that, kind of uh, what I gave on Saturday. Um, and I did write this up part of it because I wanted to get it right. And I usually, and I maybe it's also because I didn't want to practice this, practice this repeatedly. Uh, being the compulsive person that I am, I would have practiced six hundred times rather than the six or so I, I actually only needed. So um, the event is often quite somber, but it's something else as well. Let me go back to last Saturday. Literally, literally last Saturday. I was having coffee with a friend, one who is often uh, in in distress and often as distraught as I am and constantly battling their feelings. And I am not even going to come close to even hinting who this person is. Uh, they have had uh, an especially challenging last year, and they never really know in all likelihood when the grief or pain or sadness will come. So you can only imagine that this person and I um, had quite a cathartic coffee. It was so cathartic for me because he he and I were exchanging, 
we were just sharing our thoughts and feelings and we were literally finishing each other's thoughts and sentences and completely understanding where the other person was going. Like one of us would start a thought or sentiment and the other person was just nodding along in complete agreement. And you know what that was? It was extremely comforting. So comforting that I had such an enjoyable like 75 minutes with that person. I had blown off the rest of my Saturday plans thinking, you know what? Let's keep it on a high, not risk anything else and put a W in a column and call it a day. So uh, this is the part I really wrote down and I'll share it with you. Um, I don't know, excuse me, I don't know if there's anything as comforting and helpful to down spirits that knowing someone else feels the same way and can sympathize. That means someone else is in pain. Um, my mom had a magnet. She actually, like any 80 or 90s mom, had a lot of magnets in the refrigerator, but this one always stood out to me. Um, friendship doubles our joy and divides our pain. And looking out to the, to the crowd at the Out of the Darkness walk, I said, I see a lot of division out here. And that's a good thing. When you're down, find someone who totally understands, even if it's a total stranger. But we're not that today. Here, us, at this walk, we're friends. So point being, the walk is quite somber, but you look around and see people who are feeling and experiencing exactly what you have lived through. And there's comfort in that. I told you, we kept it under 15 minutes. Not bad. 